the project. Kuwait. Learn. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Project, and today I'm sitting down with Douglas Leandro, and I really hope I said his last name right, and he sits down and talks about bodybuilding from the perspective of someone that actually competed in bodybuilding and what phases he had to take his body through. So we talk a lot about nutrition, a lot about lagging body parts, training modalities, when to train, when to peak, how many times a week to train. So there's a lot of details and a lot of technical things that we talk about. And what I appreciated the most is in this episode, he talks about how difficult it is to get onto a stage and prepare for that. So stick around. And if you have any questions, please DM us and you can DM him. His Instagram handle will be in the show notes. And leave us a rating and review on iTunes and have a chance to win a free t-shirt. All this and more in today's episode. So Douglas Leandro. Yes. Did I get it, did I get it right that time, man? Spot on. <laughs> All right. That, there we go. There we go. Welcome to the show. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. IFBB, right? If I'm yes. not mistaken. So. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for the opportunity to bring me over. It's interesting. I'm kind of uh, looking forward to make this happen. So tell me a little bit about myself. So yeah, I've been in Kuwait for 10 years. I have bachelor degrees into sports science. I have my master's degrees into biomechanic and athletic development. And then as soon as I get into the industry, I figured out that uh, we don't have many athletes out there. So we need to actually focus on the general population. So that's what my last 10, 15 years of personal training being into it. And IFBB being a blast for me, it's, uh, it was a great experience and I'm looking forward to do it again. But just as a main goal now, I'm looking to change a little bit of the federation and go for WBFF. Okay. All right. So now explain the IFBB. You get a pro card, right? Like when you get into there or how does that work exactly? So the whole, like probably some people are going to hate me, but like anything else, it's, it's, it's politics, right? So they never going to get you. <laughs> you're, you know what? You're like the third person that said that to me. And I, I wish I could have gotten this guy in the States on the podcast because he said, look, dude, it's all politics. It is. When you get there right now, it's turned into how many followers do you have? Exactly. So it's totally messed up. So they will never going to give you a pro car for you, at least if you have been competing at least for three or four or even five shows for per year. Okay. So it's a, uh, it's. It's amazing. Uh, the, the, the environment around the So the three, four shows, five a year. Yeah. Like up to five shows a year. That's a lot on the body. That's a lot on the body. That's a lot on the body. It's a lot to take. So majority of the pros, what they do, they finish one and after two, three days, they already start to prep again. It's amazing for you to see like how, how, how much your body can take it depending on your mindset, but and then come into like a, how, how is reward and risk, right? So yes, you have the reward, you're being famous, you're doing what you love. But the risk that you're taking and putting your body into so much pressure, so much uh, stress for that long, it uh, can really, really screw you over. So now, like, walk us through, like, guys like Ahmed Ashkenani. Okay, okay. yes. Ahmed Ashkenani is, in my opinion, he's the greatest bodybuilder that will ever come out of Kuwait. I don't think anyone will be able to top that guy. Yes. Besides his genetic makeup, it takes a rigorous amount of discipline. Definitely. So... Now, how important are genetics to the bodybuilding? You know, because you were telling me earlier that you competed in men's physique, yeah. you know, which you guys wear short, so you have no calves. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I will come back on that. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's, that's why I put that as one of the questions. When you said men's physique, I was like, God, hey, I got no calf-less. calves. So, yeah, calfless. So they, they, he's got to have like good, good, good like workout regimens yeah. for that. 
But now, when you have men's physique and you have the other type of pro, which is what Ahmed Ashkenani and Dorian Yates and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So now, how much how much do genetics play a part? Well, to get into their physique, like it's you, as you said, is all about their work, their commitment for on their food, on their training, on their cardio, their supplementation. They are very, they are, they are, they're professionals. That's their job. It's not a hobby anymore. These guys, and they might have started on this way and, and he's great, but is a genetic going to give you that extra tip over into winning a competition or not? You need to be genetically, have that tendency or potential to explore for you to reach on that level. Because for his uh, category, he's perfect. His height, his density, like you see, his traps, arms, everything is put on. He's amazing. His muscle, what I can't get over is his muscle bellies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because to get the perfect muscle belly in your bicep and in your shoulders and just to have it so symmetrical. I mean, it's, it is a beautiful thing. In it all is. honesty, it is a beautiful thing. And it's just like, I will never have that. You know, I could work as hard as I want. I could get my body fat down to 6 7%. I could bring it down that low. I have brought it down that low. But no matter what, there were always lagging body parts because of the genetic factor. That's just that's just the way of life. So you you would say that separates the winner from for the fourth, rest of us. fourth fifth place. Exactly. So to speak. Okay. Yes, because it's that's a, it's a, you mentioned very well is the lacking muscles that make a difference on the stage. Because when you're on the stage, there is no way for you to hide anything. You are exposed, you tend, you are as lean as you could, you are psychologically bro- broke, you, you, you cannot fake anything. You are what you are now. You're raw there and you, you're going to show what you have. There is nothing else. And the lacking muscles is what make a difference for the champions. Really? Yeah, like the rear deltoid, the trap, the belly on the biceps, that inner thigh, calf, hamstrings. That's small details. That's like everybody, when we're training, we kind of go over it. Like we train once, twice a week, the hamstrings. This guy's trained at least four times. During my prep, I was training shoulders because it was my lacking muscles six times a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, doing side raises four times a week at now, least. Now, where, where the, where's the fine line between overtraining at the same time? Because bodybuilding has evolved so much since Schwarzenegger's days. And I think with his encyclopedia, I mean, that is probably one of the best books any bodybuilder can get. And it gives you, it maps out everything. But bodybuilding has evolved over the years. I mean, you had Ronnie Coleman, yes. who started introducing heavy, heavy weights. If I'm not mistaken, he's one of the guys that really started going heavy, heavy. True. And his body paid the price. True, you true, know, true, if, true. If, How many surgeries now? I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Do you see the, do you see the documentary? That's it. On Netflix, right? Yeah yeah, 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 dude. I mean, like, I feel so bad for the guy, but he's still jacked. He's still, yeah. He's still I going to the gym. I mean, it's like he's still taking his, his T-shirt off and passing the cream and, and sell his yeah. products of uh, belly fat. I know, fat right? Butter, yeah. Which is amazing. But, I mean, now I think the code's been cracked, you know, because Ahmed Ashkenani, he posts a lot of his workouts. I use him as an example because he's yeah. local talent. And he goes, it looks like he goes higher sets, less on the weight, which means less on the joints, right? If I'm not mistaken. So can you talk about how it's evolved over the years? So for example, what's what's been cracked since the 90s is the way, because majority of the bodybuilders used to do a waving set, right? Where they go heavy and then they go for a a functional hypertrophy, like between age 12 and they're going to go for a very high. Now majority of the the bodybuilders, especially let's say my, my, my category, we hit every single range on the entire week. So the volume of training, for example, you train the same muscles at least three times a week, 
but you train in different range of, of repetitions. So you train your muscle to exceed in every single range. So into strength, into hypertrophy, into endurance. So that is make, making a, a huge difference. So you don't need to stay for too long into the heavy weights. You know what I mean? Yeah. To not to destroy your joints and you're not ready. You're going to pick too late for your competition or picking too early for your competition. Kind of you maintain you there just more and less uh, taping down into your nutrition. Which makes perfect sense. I mean, if you're looking for the muscle definition, you're going 10 to 15 reps. Yes. Hands down. And then smaller muscles, I'd say biceps, triceps, you're going 15 to 20. Yeah. I mean, that's how I used to train. That's how like my uncle taught me and all the guys taught me. It's like biceps, they can endure 20 repetitions. You know, you chase the pump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, you want to leave the gym with that feeling, like uh, you're bigger. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's yeah. like you always leave the you, know, you leave the gym and your, your T-shirts are filled out in the oh, arm yeah. sleeves because you did like 20 or 30 bicep curls. And then like the next day, you're like, oh, what the hell happened to my pump? <laughs> what, what, what happened? After shower, actually. <laughs> I know, right? I know, I know. So now when you, let's go back to now. When you were doing your bodybuilding competitions, how would you prep for the show? You were talking about your prep earlier. So what was the preparation like? Let's start from day one. You are preparing to go into a show. You're like, all right, I want to do a show. So how hard is it? And you can you can summarize the phases, but if you could run through them a little bit. Yeah, so majority of the phases, first of all, we need to have, uh, depending where is your body composition, right? So on the point where you decide to start, you're going to write down to see, depending on how lean you are, 16, 24, 30 weeks of it. And and then you're going to go through majority, like we start on a strength uh, methodology on training, on at least I'm talking about lifting. And then towards your nutrition, you're going to start to very close to 10 to 15% of your maintenance. And you're going to be increasing every week the amount of calories you're going to be taking. Okay. Right? And then you're going to be, of course, trying to decrease your amount of steps per day, decreasing the extra nets, like the normal Neat, exercise. Yep. Yeah. So, and then we're going to go for your sleep. So majority of the time is, it's, it's mainly math, try to calculating where you are. Yeah. But it's, again, there's a little bit of art there because you need to see where your body, your body going because it seems simple when you put on paper, but so how your body reacts, your digest system, how's your sleep, how's your stress? How the rest of your day, because majority of like people now going into photo shoots or prepping for a competition, they are not their full-time job. So they have other responsibilities. So try to keeping this around is pretty complicated. So, I mean, just to roll back a little bit, NEAT is non-exercise thermogenesis. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's not a lot of trainers that even know that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we talk about that. I know, so. I know. <laughs> yes, everybody, I was shitting on trainers before we started this podcast, <laughs> as everyone else knows. <laughs> but now, when you talk about reducing your NEAT, reducing the number of steps, reducing all this, why are you reducing? Are you trying to bulk up in this phase and put on some extra muscle? Yes, yes. How do you play compare. the fine line between putting on muscle and putting on lean mass versus putting on body fat? That's pretty hard because it plays a lot psychologically, right? You see yourself in the mirror, you say, I'm training like crazy, I'm eating like crazy, but I'm putting weight on. But and then is when you start to dropping down. You have weeks that you decrease, you, you don't get into deficit, but you decrease the amount of calorie that you're having for the last two or three weeks that you start to see that, okay, that was water retention. I was not putting body fat. But I went to 110 when I was bulking. I compete at 78. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I started at 89, my prep, and I went up to 110, bulking, 5,000, walking, like taking elevators, not walking, to the, <laughs> taking taxis, not walking at all, trying to maintain as uh, minimal 
calorie expenditure as I could. Damn. All right. So we go through the phase of we're bulking now. We get through the bulk. You know, we decrease. We decrease our steps. We do all of this. Now, what's the next phase after that? When we did a bulking, we did a maintenance. Like we had a, a, the loads between. We did a maintenance where I dropped my calories to four thousand. I increased by two thousand steps extra, and no cardio yet. So no cardio at all. And then in my training split on that time, it was only two days. I was training pushing pull, pushing pull for a good four weeks. Yeah. And it's kind of uh, annoying because you wanted to do different exercise, but it's working for that phase. It's different of, of the bulking where I had better splits. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I could feel more the pump, isolating the muscle and repeating twice a week and getting that good feeling, get good vascularization into the muscle. On that phase, it was a little bit annoying because every day I push and pull and push and pull, push and pull. You feel like, you feel fatigue. Psychologically, it's tiring. No, it makes sense. And I'm glad you brought up a great point because a lot of people go and they still... <sighs> act on the old training method of hit the body muscle once a week. You know what I mean? Like doing Sunday chest and tries, Monday back and by, Tuesday legs, Thursday abs or whatever. And they never get the mentality of hitting the muscle twice a week is going to initiate that growth because your muscle needs to grow. Your body's telling you, hey, you're getting more volume. You need to grow a lot more. You need to get bigger, stronger, and faster. So I'm glad you brought that up. Now, talk about that when you hit your muscle twice a week. And we talked about the whole fine line of overtraining. Now, if you were hitting it twice a week, would you do like a Sunday? And I'm putting it in Kuwait week, like Sunday, okay. Sunday, Tuesday, or would you do a Sunday, Wednesday? or Sunday, Wednesday. Give Sunday. A little, yeah, a little longer break in between. Do you ever do trigger sessions between the days? Like, um, you know, I took this up when I hurt my forearm. I had a really bad brachialis issue. So one of the physiotherapists was, physiotherapists told me to do bicep curls three times a day, every other day. And he was like, we want to initiate growth in that muscle. So trigger sessions, basically. Yes. Did you ever do that as part of your training method? I didn't have to at all. But it's a great uh, strategy because uh, sometimes your body needs. So as I said, some stuff, it sounds easy when you put on paper. But when you are feeling true, so maybe other competitors are going to need to do that. But uh, I, I, um, I fortunately, I did not have to do it, but uh, it was hard. One thing that you brought up very importantly is because a lot of people were following and, and following trainers without periodization, where they're going for blocks of training. That isn't periodization. They're not understanding intensification and volume of training. If people are looking to grow muscles, you need to destroy muscle tissue. And you need to repeat this couple of times a week. As I mentioned for you, during my competition, my shoulder was my weakness. I was training six times a week. As it was so much, yes, but it was because I go. But you cannot train your shoulders once or twice a week and expect to grow or get the shape that you're looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and for everybody out there, this is a seasoned athlete who knows what he's doing. So don't go out and try and train your shoulders <laughs> six days a week. Upright row, try. five it's, sets. It, it's not going to happen. Call the guy, <laughs> ask him to train you rather than going and doing it in the gym and getting hurt and tearing a rotator. Cuff. True, true. All right. So now we get to the second phase, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when we kind of, we ramp up a little bit. We go into the more of a split, you said, right? Yeah. We go more of a split push-pull. All right, so now we're getting closer to the competition. Yes. Okay, so now we're going into the next phase. The third, what is it? One, oh. two, three phases do you go through? I did six phases. Six phases. Yes. All right, so let's go into phase three right now. Okay, so phase three, I went into uh, endurance training where my repetitions was way higher. So I was starting on my heavy day between eight to 12. And on my high rep day, lower weights, I was in 45, 50 repetitions. 
And then after that phase, that's uh, you start to feel the difference on your body composition. Actually, that third phase starts to give you that psychological calm down. Okay, it's being worth it. Like is you're not eating as much calories because during the five thousand calories, on the first two three days, you force feeding yourself. You can't eat anymore. I was like pause workout for the anabolic bust. I was having like a twenty little packages of sugar to help to bust it up. Wow. Yeah, wow. and two hundred grams of raw potato that's gross dude it is it is it's wait so raw did you boil it or was it like, yeah we boil. Uh, i thought boil you were eating it, i thought dude i thought you were eating like fucking apples or something i was like oh, I that's, wish I that's could. brutal dude i wish i could i can eat i can eat an onion like an apple no way i fucking love onions though. really yeah, yeah dude my wife hates it because like if i eat an onion like i get wicked bad onion breath so like but yeah sorry side side note yeah, that happens and i'll probably you know what? i'll probably eat an onion on sometime on instagram just so people believe it put up a I did. Is it for real? So after this phase, I go back again into to try to put muscle on. So I put again my calorie up, decrease my steps. It's still no cardio. So actually, my first three and a half weeks, I had no specific cardio training. It was only lifting weights, resting, sleeping, and feeding yourself. It was like you you reach in that phase that you feel like, oh my god, like I I feel heavy. I was feeling out of breath going upstairs. Oh wow! So that's where. People need to understand when they go for a competition or go for photo shoots that become a trend now, they need to understand that you're doing this for a go isn't healthy, isn't something that you're going to feel better about yourself. For a good eight weeks, I was moving like a duck, like moving around, <laughs> like pulling myself very sore because it was very intense on the on the muscles. And uh, and then afterwards, you, you get used to it. You get used to the pain. No, that's so I enjoy it. Trust me, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that all too well. I do CrossFit, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tr- trust you enjoy me. pain. Trust me, I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy pain. No, I, I honestly, personally, I just enjoy I enjoy the sport of it. I, I really do. I seriously am fascinated. I got bored with bodybuilding. Mm. You know, it, it got boring for me after doing it for so long. All right, so let's move into phase four now. So as I said, phase four, I'm going to repeat. I'm going to go up again. Heavy weights, I drop, I'm going to go split my days. I'm going to do only legs. And then on that fourth phase, I did upper body and I did shoulders and arms and I repeat in this way. Okay. All right. Cool. And then, uh, so phase four was good. And then phase five is where things get a little bit tricky. I start to add supersets and the cardio gets into it. So no single sets anymore. I was hitting two muscles or an agonist and antagonist or I was doing like the cross. So between back and Explain legs. agonist and antagonist. So for, for example, you're, let's think about your legs. So your agonist on your leg extension will be your quads. Okay. Right? And then your antagonist on that going to be your hamstrings. So right. it's the opposite muscle. Think about your core. Okay. So your abdominal and your lower back, your direct reserve spine. Cool, man. I'm testing you right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking, dude. I'm just joking. It's, good. it's, 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 just, for, it's just for the average person so that they understand some yeah. of these terms that are thrown around in the gym industry and in the bodybuilding industry. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Go yeah. on. Oh, well, agonist uh, and antagonist muscles on the supersets doing two exercises back-to-back before I have my rest, I start to increase into my cardio. So that's where I introduce my fasted cardio. I start with 30 minutes on and a very low intense and least low intense steady cardio, very slow. So and when you say very slow, is that a walking pace? Yeah. Is that a, that's, that's a walking pace. Yeah, walking pace. Like it's, and I get you when you say that you why you enjoy so much CrossFit and why you got bored on, on bodybuilding because it's a boring process. Be walking for 30 minutes. I didn't do any of that shit, by the way. <laughs> I would just go to the gym and I'm like, all right, I don't want my pecs to look good. So I'm, I'm hitting a bench press. You know, I, luckily, and I threw this question in there to you about the traps because uh-huh. so many people struggle with traps. 
And naturally, alhamdulillah, I just have big ass traps. Okay. Like when I flex my traps, they're just fucking big. They, they pop out. It's And I think it's from baseball. But, you know, I was a baseball player. So a lot of swinging the bat, stuff like that. And just gave me big traps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Makes sense. Makes sense. I got into my cardio, started to do supersets. My steps went up like drastically. I was. From, What's a superset real quick? So I was doing a superset between chest and back. So okay. I was doing like a bench press with a tempo of 4010. And then I was going straight for my lat pull down, doing the same amount of tempo with a, with a certain amount of repetition, six to eight repetitions, okay. and having a break of between 75 to 90 seconds before I heat it up again. All right. I knew what a superset was, but uh, I just wanted to clarify. So it was fun. That's that phase was fun because at some point on the previous phase, you said like, I don't want to do that. Like, I know what I'm doing. You start to be robotic. Your day become robotic. The time you wake up, your breakfast, your, your, your training, your work, Everything becomes everything like every day. You don't you don't divide the days anymore. You know what I mean? Sunday is exactly like a Friday, and and keep going on and on and on and on and on. So that was the, the, that phase, and then we start to go into full body workout every single day, and then that's where you get start to get ripped, and you feel let's say you're losing muscles, and you look like a skinny boy. You go in the mirror and you start <laughs> like, oh my god, where was all that mess? <laughs> yeah. But, and then we start to go into higher uh, uh, cardio. I start to add my cardio. As a fasted cardio, yeah, I went up to 90 minutes and then I was having my workout and then I have a cardio pause workout between 20 to 30 minutes in a couple of days, which was a little bit more high intense interval training instead yeah. of a low intensity. So now here's my question and I'm sure I'm giving all bodybuilders a good idea out there. When you go into these phases and when you go into the hyper cardio phase, you know, of like the endurance part, why don't you guys just do CrossFit, man? Or like CrossFit style type of workouts. Like, because you get that benefit of the cardio. You get that, you know, that elevated heart rate. Uh-huh. You burn through things. And at the same time, you're building freaking muscle. You do. But and then become very compound in general. We're not isolated anymore. You can isolate. But even with the compound stuff, like if you're doing a ground to overhead, for okay. instance, you know, you're hitting essentially your hamstrings. You're hitting, you know, your abs. You're hitting everything. It's a full body movement. But that's just a curiosity i'm surprised like a bodybuilder hasn't said all right you know what if i'm gonna do this cardio phase i'm just gonna freaking do crossfit that way i'm not bored out of my mind on a goddamn treadmill it's so boring on a treadmill i hate it is it is it is i got you but and then come into okay we brought a good point but then let's think about functionality all right you guys are functional you guys move sagittally frontally and transversely it's very true yeah we bodybuilders is sagittal all the time yeah deadlift we can get hurt very easy. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so, that's a good point. And because but of even the, what about low impact? Like, I don't really see bodybuilders that are trying to do the cardio, get on the assault bike, for instance, or on a rower or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. these tools, I think, and I, I'm predicting this in like five or 10 years, bodybuilders will be like, oh shit. Okay. If I do, you know, this or that, or the assault bike or whatever, I'm going to burn more calories and I'm going to get to my goal. That's just my, my prediction. And I'll be an asshole if it's not true, but... <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. And I think that's uh, lately, uh, lately you're going to see more bodybuilders getting into more high-intensity interval training, maybe not in the same exercise that we would be I've doing. seen a lot of wind sprints. Like, I've seen a lot of uphill sprints. Yes. And that's where I'm like, dude, why don't you just do other things that work on different muscles? Because I knew a guy, he was like, yeah, trying. You know, I'm trying to cut, so I'm doing uphill sprints. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're doing uphill sprints every day. Like, you're not developing anything else. No. Like, do some freaking ladder drills. Do jump rope. You know, like, 
mix it up a little bit. Okay, but you guys are athletic. You are made to move athletically. The CrossFit was made to try to integrate everything. That's why it's so great. That's why I attract so much people. Bodybuilder is about aesthetically. Yeah, that's How we're we gonna be posing on the on the on the on the stage. So we don't move very well. That's the reason why I first got my my both injuries because oh, really? we become very sagittal. Yeah. So when I start to introduce more transversal movements, my body just couldn't take it. So yeah. snap. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's brutal, dude. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's get back into phase five here. Sorry. I went off on a tangent, yeah, good. but I wanted to ask that from a, you know, from just, I haven't been in the bodybuilding scene for, I'd say like two years now, maybe three years. And that's why I was like, I mean, I do CrossFit every day and I'm like, some of the tools in CrossFit, why have they not integrated into bodybuilding yet? It just, it boggles me because there are some really good tools in CrossFit that if you integrate them, I think I think that would be a game changer for some bodybuilders, but would that's be. my opinion. That's would just be. my opinion. Would be. So phase five, you've increased your cardio. You're eating boiled potatoes now. <laughs> now, now, now is the time that the carbohydrates drop, right? Okay. So now is the time that it's become very challenging psychologically because okay. you become very mood. So my last phase was eight weeks of cutting. <sighs> when, for example, brutal, let's, let's think about when I started. Like I went up to five thousand two hundred, and now. I was on 1800, doing much more cardio. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, and uh, and start to 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 train for my posing. So you have all of this going on. Yeah. So the training was was kind of like your body gets used to training. It got used to get got hit all the time. But the cardio it was very challenging to to keep it up. The posing it was like you just don't want you just want to train and go home. But uh, the nutrition now that plays a big the big role. So. No, 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 no sugar, no potatoes. I have carbohydrates, like carb how, cycling. How many grams would you have of carbs? Like, what was your what was your limit? Did you at least go to like 200, 300 grams, or not even? I was below that. Really, yeah. Jesus, dude! How did you? How that. did you function? <laughs> like, Let's talk about phase six. Did you? Okay, sorry. I, I was. I start to get uh, hallucinations. Oh wow! I start to talk with my shower. <laughs> no joke because you start to, you, you, you just you're not there anymore you, 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 you just like stop pouring out water pour out food cognitive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off now it was tough I reach a point when the carbs go down when your your work uh, goes higher like your work rate go, go way higher especially into cardio for you to get some that leanness you start to like I was like okay especially if you if you not have any kind of uh, pharmaceutical enhancement yeah you gotta yeah, that, yeah, no, yeah yeah don't, don't worry we're very open about steroids yeah. on this show um we talk about it all the time you can definitely talk about whatever on steroids now here's my question did you increase fat or did you cut out fat too so you weren't no. even getting energy from fat or, so uh, except in the last four weeks that i i, I didn't cut completely okay. but it was very low but in the last four to six weeks i had no fat really so you you cut out like olive oil you cut out you know you everything was lean mm. Oh, that's brutal, dude. Yeah, it was. Vegetables, chicken, like the most paste you can have, some herbs on top, and you keep on swallowing like 800 gra 180 grams per meal, like four to five meals a day. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. That's torture. <laughs> that's torture, yeah. And and people are like, yeah, I want to I wanna look like that guy. So it's like, if you want to look like these bodybuilders, this is how you do it. It's very difficult. From yeah. what you're describing is an extremely difficult process. Believe me, that guy didn't want to look like the bodybuilder. The bodybuilder itself, it doesn't want to look at him like on that face. And I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to open up that it's something very serious. Like, for example, the reason I went through, because I start to respect the, the resilience and commitments that a bodybuilder need to have. Like, build your character, right? You need to be very consistent. You need to be very, you need to follow rules. 
you need to respect your body so much, you're going to need to give up into social events, sleeping early, waking up early, not having like comfort foods. And the world around you didn't stop. Everything the same. Yeah. So it's amazing. It's a, it's a great feeling. And we're going to get there. Why, why having this break? Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's, uh, it's a tough it's a tough process. Wow. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like a really hard process. Now, you, you had gold medals on your Instagram that you were biting, right? Uh, like, yeah, you, yeah. you had a couple medals that were in your mouth there. So how many medals have you won? So that's one. It was like, because for, uh, on the, so in your category, so for example, my category, we had 54 competitors. Yep. So my first one, I passed as a first. And then overall, I got fourth. Okay. It was nice. It was an amazing experience. And the bodybuilding community, they help each other a lot. So you see guys fancy on the backstage, people helping out, giving them I've seen sugar. that. I've seen I've seen some backstage videos and it's, it's like it's insane. Like it they freaking like you put your body through through it, a lot. On that on the day, you're on the peak of the extreme. So as soon as you finish that, you just wanna rest and have some foods. Yeah. No, that's understandable. <laughs> Now, here's a question because you, you hear a lot about a, a lot of people that say you, you load up on sodium the day the day before the day of. Mm. I'm not can you talk about the whole sodium loading and deloading of the deloading of the water and okay. can you get into that a little bit or yeah, is that yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually the way I did I didn't load on sodium. Okay. Right? So what I did, so we were in a normal diet on that four to six weeks that was consistently in a very low calorie. I was on, on that week before I was on thirteen hundred calories. And then we like four days before, so I had to fly. And then we have the carb loading. So the carb loading, it was more or less, I drank 12 liters of water on that day loaded with dextra. That's carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I Dextra, had my... Dextra's and gummy bears too. Exactly. <laughs> I, Would be way better. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude. I know. Because no. sometimes like I do not support this, but... There's been some science that has come out that said if you have dextrose, you know, from gummy bears, if you eat like a bag of gummy bears, you're going to have a great workout afterwards just because it, you know, loads you up on the carbs, yes, so that, that energy boost. It is. I mean, but you can have a freaking Gatorade and it's going to do the same exact thing too. As well. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, go. No, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. Man. So, didn't so I didn't have the, the sodium. I know a lot of bodybuilders, but now lately, at least the new schools, uh, the new school of bodybuilding, they're not loading so much on, on sodium. Right. So they're more into the carbohydrates so, and controlling their insulin spike because that's making the difference. Yes. Is yes. that is the anabolic is on the insulin. Yes. So that's what you need to create. But have bodybuilders that own the carb loading before they're gonna have pizzas and stuff like that. I didn't do because I was afraid of my digestive system. My I might get bloated or get introducing cheese on one day before and I was very worried about it. So yeah. even on the weeks before when we're doing the carb cycling, when you have your refeed. Like I was very worried about what I'm going to be putting on, but it's amazing because you go low and then you load like 3000 calories, majority of them coming from carbs. Next day you wake up lean and veins everywhere. That's a beautiful, oh, wow. a beautiful view. But then on the day before you feel like, okay, I cannot be playing the game. It's like no gambling now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about yeah. to get to this stage. Wow. That sounds like a rigorous routine. And now how does your body cope with this because i mean it must wreak havoc on your digestive system like i'm assuming there's a lot of constipation involved okay. i mean i hope i hope i'm not diving into no, deep, no, no. but i'm assuming there's like a lot of constipation involved there's probably a lot of diarrhea involved too i mean it just must wreak havoc on your whole system you know like that's yeah so q i mean talk about how your body interacted with it i mean did your body because some people have really bad reactions how did your body react you're talking about the whole process 
on the process the, of the let's car say the loading. Last, the last yeah. three weeks. The last three weeks, because that's the most difficult phase, I think, uh, yeah. for everybody, right? I got to constipate badly. Yeah. Yes, badly, because it was mainly vegetables. And as much people think about, like, when you constipate, add fiber has nothing <laughs> to do with that. It has nothing to do with it, I You're know. just stuck in the pipe. <laughs> I know, I know. A lot of people are like, oh, just eat fiber. But you can get constipated from having too much fiber. Exactly. So, so yeah, so HCL helped me a lot, being able to break down more more of my food because like for me, it was the amount of, of protein I was having. It was holding me back. Probiotics. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probiotics helped me a lot. Really? Yeah. Like any one of my clients, I'm, I'm big on, on probiotics. Probiotics, magnesium citrates. Magnesium, if ma- yeah. 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 So depending on the clients, if male, female, zinc picolinate, cup of multivitamins. So true, the compute was fine. But in that couple of weeks, because the body's stressed, the body doesn't want to eat that much more, doesn't want to work that much hard. So he stopped to send you signals that slow down, we're going to crush, you know? So the supplements are, are necessary to help your body okay. to, to go through that. Okay. All right. Dude, that sounds like a lot of work, man. But I mean, diarrhea happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Diarrhea, diarrhea, diarrhea probably happened like right after the show. Once you start. Once carb you, loading. On, on the, on oh, the, the carb loading. Oh, oh like, man, that's brutal. Carb loading, 12 liters of water and drinking that sh- all that sugar. So at, uh, at some point on the hotel, I was drinking that at the toilet. So I was drinking, Instagramming, and just sitting on the on the wow. on the throne. <laughs> so now now okay, we're talking about the food intolerances, obviously. Uh-huh. So and you were saying before the show you couldn't eat chicken for like eight weeks afterwards. You had to slowly reintroduce it. Me and Meg have talked on this show before about chicken. Right now, chicken doesn't sit well with my body. Mm. And it's just like it sucks because when I do want to eat lean food, I have no option. Chicken makes me feel like shit now, just because yeah. I had so much of it at one point. Now, what about you? You were saying you had to reintroduce it, so... Oh, no, it took me longer even than, than that. It took me like almost three months for me to be able to eat chicken again because it wasn't only physical. Like I was trying to eat and I'm feeling sick, but I reached a point that I didn't want to look at the chicken. You know what I mean? So food is a very sensitive uh, subject into bodybuilding and anything you do towards yeah. fitness because your food is going to be... You, you can create a bad relationship even if the food is good. So you're going to create intolerance. Your body just don't want to have any more. They want to have varieties of, okay. of, of protein. That's interesting. Do you want to come on uh, with Dr. D? She's our psychologist. So oh, okay. she does a psych segment every week. And if you want to come on, we'd love to. I mean, I'm sure she'd love to talk about relationships with food. Because yeah. you guys, I think if anyone wants to talk about people with eating disorders, the bodybuilding community. Oh, yeah. A lot of trainers and especially bodybuilders have a poor relationship with food. That's bad. Yeah, it is. Like, or you eat it way too much or you end up like, I don't want to have that. It took me like a good four weeks to introduce again protein on my food. Oh, if wow. The only thing I was having was eggs. I was able to eat because of the amount of fat, but no meat, no tuna. Oh, tuna it was. <laughs> <laughs> it took me ages. Tuna sucks anyways, oh. man. I mean... <laughs> That shit, like, <laughs> yeah, I, when, I, when I was, I used to weigh 116 kilos, and then I dropped down to, like, 83, I'd say was my lowest point, 80, 80 was my lowest point, and every week I'd have two days of tuna, like, two days I'd have tuna for lunch, oh, dude. <sighs> this is the worst day. I know, sometimes I have the craving, but other times it's like, you open a can of tuna around me, I'm like, oh, dude, that smells so bad, I'm gonna puke, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So we talk about some of those eating issues. Now, let's go into, like, reverse dieting. Did you okay. ever do you ever go into reverse dieting because you've destroyed your metabolism essentially? So your metabolism gets screwed. Yes. Definitely gets screwed. That does. You know, and then your body starts to wanting to hold on to food because you put it in a starvation mode. 
Now, when you reverse diet, how did you do that? Did you slowly introduce from 15 to 1600, 16 to 1700? And how long was that process? Okay, I'm going to break it down for you in two ways, okay? My example, it was what I believe that my body would be able to take. So what I did after my cutting, I put back 20% below my, my, my maintenance. And that's when I blow up, all right? Okay. But uh, it was so... It was so satisfying <laughs> that I didn't care. I said, no, I'm having food again. I'm loving life. I'm back into to smile and being able to, to, to process my thoughts better because I felt at a certain point I was foggy. I couldn't, I couldn't be rational but on my decisions. But did your weight shoot up dramatically? Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's why I want to say in two ways. Did the way I did wasn't the right way. Okay? okay. The way how I coach my clients that they are doing photo shoots, I reintroduce 50 to 100 grams back into their diet slowly. Yeah. So weekly, I increase their diet, okay? Until they reach a point of maintenance. What I need to be done is to explain, what I do for my clients, explain that, look, what you reach on your photo shoot isn't real, isn't consistent. It was made for that moment. And now we're gonna slowly back, put you back into health, right? Yeah. So what we do, depending for male, for male. So male, major the time, put hundreds, female, I increase. So let's say that we drop down in 12, 1100 calories, right? Jesus, dude. People actually function on 1100 calories? They, females, they love that because females normally, they are under eating. It's yeah, hard to make them yeah. eat. Yeah, that's true. No, that's very true. I, yeah. I deal with My wife's a power lifter. All yeah. right? My wife is a power lifter. She's going to her first power lifting meet. And I see how hard it is for her to actually eat. And I'm like, yeah. honey, you got to eat some meat. You need that protein. <laughs> yeah, you need to feed, yeah, feed the machine. I agree. Exactly, yeah. So anyways, go so on. So for them, it's uh, easier for, uh, so I, I start on bringing them up, back up by 50 calories. The first week they feel like, oh, I feel that I'm not eating enough yet, but it's just to maintain. What people misunderstanding about reverse dieting, they believe, oh, I'm going to put weight back. Oh no, but you're still in deficit. So from that 1100 till your maintenance, let's say 1900, you're still in deficit. So you still going to be losing fat so you're yeah. going to still be able to maintain for a good six to eight weeks this a similar body fat and body weight the way you are the only goes wrong when you jump your gun or you when you're being too confident about yourself oh my body going to be able to take let me put it back into my maintenance that's going to blow up water retention you're going to feel joint pains when you're back too high and too fast so you definitely need to graduate that so uh reversing diets is a must after competition or after a photo shoot contest? Yeah, no, I mean, that, and it's a lot of people are like, okay, I finished my thing. I'm going to go back to eating like 3,000 calories. And dude, that's when you just kind of blow up because yeah. your body doesn't know how to respond to it. It's like, I got food, I'm starving. And it's a recipe for disaster. It is. And I, I reverse dieted because I brought, I obviously, I went into a caloric deficit so I could get down to a goal weight. And then I was like, all right, I want to stay here. I want my body to be in homeostasis at this this weight. Mm. I think at the time I was eating six, seven, eighteen hundred calories. Okay. Which was still pretty high. Which was which was high to get, you know, I was down to about seven percent body fat at the time. That's really good. I was happy, you know, because I was doing it I'd done it right. You know what I mean? Like I had brought my metabolism was spiked anyways, because I was a I was a fat ass. <laughs> you know, like I hate saying that saying it like that, but I was. I was extremely overweight. I was unhealthy. I was sick. But when I reverse dieted, I, all I did was I slowly brought it up and I wanted to get my caloric maintenance to about 2,400 because I want to enjoy life, man. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yes, like, exactly. like if I want to have, you know, a pizza, I'm going to have a goddamn pizza. Exactly. You know, and I don't want to shoot myself over it. But 
Now, I'm glad you brought up the point of taking up 100 or 200 or 50. How long does that process usually go? Or how long did it go with your clients and with you? I had a couple of people that I helped out with it. And I was like, look, every few days, increase it by a little bit. I was on the margin of 50 every two days. So then by the time you get up to 2,200, which for an adult, that is a decent amount of food. 2,200, 2,400 is actually a lot of food when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of food. What's your methodology of increasing? Okay. Is it every two days, every three days, every week, bringing it up? I by do 100? weekly. You do weekly? I do weekly. I really let your body to get used to to that amount of calorie, even though the first two weeks is hard because you just add, if it's a female, only 50, and then the second week, 50 to 75. So it's a very small, so they still feel that they are in a low calorie, in a low calorie but um, it's necessary. Because if you go back straight up, they're going to blow up. And then psychologically, they're going to feel that, uh, what was the point? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. You need to understand that at the end of whatever, it's a competition or whatever you're doing, that's only halfway. Now we still now need to come back up. And that's where a lot of people messed up. Yeah, yeah. Unconsciously or consciously. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't know. I think a, lo a lot of people go into it and they, they don't have any idea about reverse dieting, about what it takes. They're like, okay, if I want to lose weight, I just can consume 1,500 calories. And then just once you get to 1,500 calories and you still want to lose weight to get to that goal, you have to keep reducing your calories. It's either reduce your calories or increase your overall movement. So, I mean, for some people, I'd say increase your need. I'd say don't touch your calories until you get the need up to, like if you really want to get to a goal, Get up to 20,000 steps a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it sucks. It yeah, definitely my, my, sucks. My, my, my count of steps on the last phase was 26,000 steps. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It was horrible. That's a lot. That's I don't know how my, my calf didn't grow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, I'm glad you brought up that point, dude. All right. The, the six-pack question is a, a pretty easy one. Okay. A lot of people want that six-pack. They want to be ripped, shredded, and everything. Now, for females, a lot of females that we do see on Instagram and whatever with a ripped six-pack, they're on juice. They are on juice. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like almost a hundred percent, unless they're genetic freaks and they're the one percent of the one percent, they're most likely taking steroids. True. Right? True. I mean, that's I, we can agree on that. True. I agree. And guys, a lot of guys, they, you know, the skinny guys. Ectomorphs. Ectomorphs, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, them... I would say they're skinny, but they're not going to put muscle on. They'll uh -huh. have a six pack, right? Yeah. So would you say it's genetic? How much of it is genetics and how much of it is the hard work? It's the hard work. I think I think you can outwork a lot of things that's doable because mm -hmm. the six packs, it's what? The six packs, it's, it's, it's your abdominal wall, right? It's there. Depending on how it's going to look, if you have, you, some guys have eight, 10 packs, but it's six packs. Some, some girls are not going to have that look. They're going to have only the lines, right? So... It's all going to be in how hard you're going to work in your nutrition. So it's doable. Depends of how hard you want to work for it. How much you want to, to put on the line for it. How much your social life, how much of your enjoyment of life you want to do. is doable, yes. It's realistic, no. If you wanted to keep a health life, you should not be chasing your six packs because that's not a measurement of health. It's just 100%, a, it's yeah. a stat. Yeah, no. 100%. It's just for a good picture on Instagram. 100%, man. You're 100% right. And I, it's funny because when I, when I did get down to like seven, 8%, dude, that little part right underneath my stomach, still, it was still there. And I was just like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking doing it anymore. And I was like, you know what? I get down to like 7%. I'm happy. 
Because I was at, dude, I was at like 30%. Yeah, I see. You know, it's and, amazing. And right now I enjoy being at 14 to 16%. Like that's, yeah. that's my happy area because dude, I, I do CrossFit. You <laughs> I need to perform. I know. Exactly. I can't, I yeah. can't, I can't function on 1700 calories. Exactly. No. So, I mean, I'm glad we kind of agree on that. Um, I still think a lot of it has to do with genetics because of fat storage and all of that. I mean, it's, it's to me, that's just my opinion though. Yeah. And there are other people that disagree and you, uh, you know, you, the hard work will get you there. You're right. How hard do you want to do it? Eventually you'll get that six pack if you yes, want it. Yes. Yes. And so when you say genetically, what do you mean? Because yeah. I, I mean, just that. the way your body, everyone's body reacts differently. Everyone's body stores fat differently. You know, some people have a big ass, some people have bigger chests. And we had a uh, Lulu function the functional nutritionist. She yeah. was on the show. Yeah. And I asked her about man boobs in Kuwait. I think there's a lot of guys here with man boobs. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's weird because it's a lot of Arabs, a lot of Kuwaiti guys especially have man boobs. So I was like, it's got to be genetics. There's mm-hmm. got to be a genetic component that, you know, causes our estrogen to spike in some weird way where we store the fat in our chest versus, you know, other areas. Like you'll see guys in England and in America and whatever They've got flat chest, but then they got this beer gut that's hanging out, you know, 32 inches. So what's your, you know, what's your opinion on that? So uh, definitely it's it's all to do with the estrogen levels. But again, like, believe me, for five years, I've been into and, and consulting and mentoring with functional doctors. And as much as we put a lot of, of uh, our focus on hormones... Yep. At the end of the day is the basics that make the job done. Mm-hmm. Look, for me, the majority of, of people, especially in Kuwait, it's uh, with a high estrogen levels, with low testosterone levels, is more to do with your lifestyle. Makes or sense. What, what you have to do. They they do not do what they have to yep. do. They're not moving enough. They're not exercising. They're sleeping late. They're smoking. They're creating that uh, death pattern where you increasing estrogen. Your body cannot increase, uh, increase much testosterone. So you're going to start to have that. And, and that's, it's, again, I, I love functional doctors. I, doc, <laughs> do, I, I would love to talk, uh, mention Dr. Naval, the Canadian, and it helped me so much. But at the end of the day, is get your food, get your water, get your sleep, go to train, walk, get your cardio. You're going to get there. It doesn't matter how man. long going to be, you're going to be on the, on the right path. Because yeah. when I was using that, a lot of my clients start to use that as a shield. No, oh, it's my insulin. I have insulin resistance. No, you don't. You're just eating more carbs that your body's supposed to be having. That's why you're not dealing. You have no problem with carbohydrates. Carbohydrates is essential. It's an essential macro. You have to have it. So I don't say about, oh, my testosterone is low. Okay, how can we bust testosterone? Eat more protein, for God's sake. Go yeah. to sleep early. Increase yeah. your GH hormone by creating that uh, the sleep cycle. I forgot the name. But it's funny. I'm, I'm glad you said eat more meat because, <laughs> dude, I swear to God, when I eat like a bone-in ribeye, and I go lift, I'm a freaking beast. Exactly. Like, I feel like a monster. It's dopamine. It's injecting yeah, straight to your yeah, brain. You're ready. Dude. You become a warrior. It's it's like I tell people all the time, like guys, that, you know, the guys, the guys that talk to me about training, you know, and they ask for training advice. I'm like, squat and deadlift. You need to do those. No, no, no. I don't want to hurt my back. I don't want this. I don't want that. I'm like, dude, squat and deadlift, that increases your testosterone. It's scientifically proven. Exactly. Like, you deadlift, you're going to feel like a badass. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be pumped, and then you're gonna go into your next exercise feeling pumped, and you're gonna lift more weight. Yeah, that's that's what I think the cycle is in in terms of you know when you deadlift and when you squat, you just get that you know that dopamine rush. You feel like a badass. You know you you get that animal instinct. So what, I mean, what do you think with your clients? 
And let's go into training a little bit with clients. You see a lot of the gimmicky bullshit out there. Yes. Right? Now, and you said something earlier that I was like, yes, this guy's the man. (laughs) When you were like, none of the tricky shit, just keep it simple and do the basics. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, you know, I, I I train, I have a coach and, you know, it's through NMP programming. And yeah, I'm giving them a shout out. Like they don't don't pay me, they don't pay me anything, by the way. But like. But you're a happy client. I'm I'm an extremely happy client. My coach has taken me from zero in CrossFit to doing, you know, stringing three, four ring muscle ups together. And, you know, dude, I was, you know, I was overhead. I was, you know, doing a a split jerk of 225 today. Wow. And, you know, just six months ago, I couldn't get 185 up or like 190. So So it's, it's it's programming. Yeah, it's programming. I mean, I, I love my coach. He's awesome. But his workouts are just so simple. He keeps it so simple, so basic. None of this BOSU ball shit. None of the friggin' oh, oh, there oh, we go. Please, thank you. Please, can we like create a rule that you cannot ship bozo balls anymore to QA? <laughs> I know you're I not know. training for. What's the point? You do anything on the bozo ball? You're not training. You're not training for earthquake, right? Right. So people talk about stability. What are you talking about stability? If you don't have your feet contact to the ground, that's what's necessary. Getting to the energy to it. Why are you creating stability that doesn't exist? Except if you are like a, a surfer or something that you're going to need to have your feet into instability, you should not be training. Runners doing it is quite so on, on the bozo ball. I want to kill them. <laughs> I, agree. I swear to God. I mean, there is the argument for ankle mobility, okay? And, <sighs> and rehabbing from an ankle injury. And even my coach said, hey, well, you know, if I'm rehabbing someone from an ankle injury, I will throw them on a bosu ball just to gain that little bit of stability from the movement. But to me, it's like the Bosu ball is the most useless piece of equipment in the gym. Some it's asshole not. made it. And, you know, some trainers are like, oh, you know, and I shit on the Bosu ball all the time. And a lot of <laughs> trainers, too. they don't like it. Yeah, me too. And they say, you just don't know how to use it. I'm like, well, what's there to learn to use with it? Yeah. If they're like, oh, no, it works their core. Why don't you just have them do a plank? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Oh, but they have to learn how to keep tension. Well, why don't you teach them? Say, tense your body up yeah. when you're doing a bicep curl. Be a better coach. Be Heal a better them. coach. Be exactly, a better coach. dude. Right there, you man. You need a tool. Oh, I love it, man. I yeah. love it, dude. I, lo- I love I love, that you friggin' chat on the BOSU ball with me. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad someone finally fucking agrees with me on the game. Oh, game. man. You have a lot of people that's going to agree with you. Believe me. Yeah. A lot of people like this, like they, all the all this new stuff coming over, like with people trying to find way to make money out of the industry, yeah. losing up the, the real goal that's towards health help people to get better, help people to move better, to get stronger and actually become better humans. They are just there to make money, right? For everybody listening, like these guys are not to actually focus on you. They're focused on your cash, what, how much you can pay. They don't care about what you enjoy. I'm sorry about Bozo Ball, but yes, I need to learn to build Bozo Ball. Yeah, you can go from one side to another side and stay on top of it. That's pretty hard. You need a PhD for it. I know. It's like the, it's like the freaking shaker weight. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which I've seen, dude, the shaker weight, the freaking zap your stomach thing. And like, dude, like that shit doesn't God's work, sake. man. Like yeah. seriously, like what's one of the most gimmicky bullshit things you've seen in a gym? So Bozo definitely on top of it. And guys training... With a mask, I train with the elevation mask. I, I, I don't I don't like I don't like. <laughs> I have to be honest. Uh. Like I would do wind sprints with the elevation mask. The one difference I saw was that my diaphragm breathing got better. Okay, it taught me how to breathe a lot better. Exactly. So now you have a specific reason. You increasing your view too for a specific cardio training, right? Yeah, I haven't used my I haven't used the mask since though. <laughs> uh, and then you, you see guys in the gym doing their bench press with a mask. Why? Serious. Okay. Your, your bench press technique is already sucks. And you're trying to now 
make hard for you to breathe while you're having weights in, on top of you. So it has been saying that is things that can work for some specific things, but people make take this uh, into the heart and work for everything. Doing abdominal with that, doing chin ups with that. So that's that, right. that's, I, that's I, I never I never went that far. I did wind <laughs> sprints and I did ladder drills. Like I did all my cardio. VO two improving yeah, your VO two. That's, that's but I knew it wasn't doing that much. But what it really taught me to do is really get my air deep into my belly. You know what I mean? When they say breathe into your belly, breathe yeah. into your belly. That's what it taught me. And you know, I, just, I haven't used it since. It's been sitting in my gym bag for <laughs> friggin' two years now. So what else besides the mask, BOSU ball? Uh, let me see. I don't know. What about, um, what about, what about the whole booty craze? <laughs> like the booty what the booty craze like getting your butt like for women like there's some exercise i'm like dude you don't need the supported chin-up machine to push down with your legs to train your ass go do some goddamn squats true 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 that is not there's a lot of exercise that uh, if you look even there is not biomechanically correct to work your glutes right yeah but people do not understand how to connect their muscle so they go about the feeling oh i they, i saw somewhere I saw that Instagram celebrity doing, and she was doing this exercise I want to do, but they do not know how to activate that. So go squat, go deadlift, even though I love the basics. I love deadlift, I love uh, squats, I love uh, military press, I love bench press, chin-ups. They gonna build your body, get you stronger, and mainly gonna to hit 90% of everything that you need into fitness. But undone, you need to just see client by client who's biomechanically made to be able to do that. Because a lot of people has their limitations that they cannot do that. And then you create accessory movements yes. to drive them to do that. You got know what I mean? But they have to do, they have to do. Everybody can do, not everybody can do. Yeah, no, I, I do. I support her 100%. My wife, when she started training, it's funny because she, you know, she used to train and she used to use the Smith machine, you know, for squats. She's going to kill me for telling this story. <laughs> but she like, yeah, you know, I did squats today at the gym. I did like 50 kilos and she was all happy. I'm like, did you use the bar? No, I did it on the Smith machine. And I think the Smith machine is like the most useless piece of equipment in the gym. Okay. Like, seriously, that's just my opinion. I think the Smith machine, you know, the... Like, dude, it takes five pounds off anyways, and you want to do squats on it for what? Just go friggin' do squats with a squat rack. Yeah. You know, have someone spot you if you're afraid of, you know, you can't get out of, you know, get out of, you know, the sticking point. But, you know, she was all happy, and then she started training, and she realized she couldn't squat all the way down. And I hooked, you know, I brought her into Rob. First thing they started working on was squatting onto a box, getting her lower. Then it was all the accessory movements that went into it and everything. And now she's squatting 265 and maxing out at 285 pounds, which is what in kilos? 120? 120, 120, 125. For a female that's 5'6", or now 5'4". Strong. (laughs) Yeah, I do, right? Strong. Her deadlift is uh, 315. That's uh that's one forty one forty kilos. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. She lifts even heavier than she, much of the dudes. I know, the right, dude? <laughs> dude, it keeps me on my game. Like I gotta keep uh, lifting and shit. Exactly. It sucks. Uh, yeah, but dude, I'm, pull it out. I'm so glad like you were hitting on busting some of these myths that are out there because I know you work at a high profile gym. We won't name it out, but you work at a pretty high profile gym with some high profile people, and it's good to see someone that's authentic and that has some integrity, really. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, you know, like, that's pretty cool, dude. And um, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. I think Thank you I think for a, having me. I think a lot of people are going to be enlightened by everything that you had to say today. Okay. That's sweet. That's good. 
I know I'm not going to to be pleasing everybody, but I I know I'm going to be sticking to to what I believe in. So far, it's working. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. We get a lot of hate listens, anyways. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> like you said earlier, it means we're doing something. Doing right. something right, yeah. So if nobody hates you for what you're doing, probably you because you you're pleasing everybody. And pleasing everybody, you're not going to be improving people's life. That's true. That's true. And, and it's trainers like you that make a difference in people's lives. It's, it's good to see. All right. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. Thank you so much, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.